0: morning to the Word of God, to Luke's Gospel, <clears throat> Luke's Gospel chapter 10, 10th chapter of Luke's Gospel. Just give you a moment to locate that in your Bibles, and we'll read uh, verse from verse 17, <clears throat> Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in that the spirits are subject do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Behold, I give you power to an authority to trample in serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Title of the message this morning is, How much power has Satan got? How much power has Satan got? We know that Satan has got power... Uh, To give sickness and disease. And not all sickness and disease are directly attributable to Satan, but there are occasions. For example, remember Jesus when he healed a little woman uh, who had been bowed over for 18 years? Jesus says, Whom Satan has bound these 18 years. And so he was directly implicating Satan in that particular sickness. We know that he has the power over to produce fear and even death and sin, lying wonders, sometimes even miracles. We remember how that Moses, when he was confronting the magicians in in Egypt, and how that he threw down his rod and it turned into a snake, and how they threw their rods down and they turned into snakes. And so we must never underestimate the power that the evil one has got. And certainly the angels in heaven do not underestimate his power, and neither should we. We know that he has the power to blind people's minds. The Bible says that The enemy blinds the minds of the people lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in them. So he has got that power to do that. We also know from the book of Revelation chapter 20 that even has the power to deceive nations. Whole nations. And we see that even today. We see nations that are held under the the sway and the influence of the evil one. Either with a false religion or or a despot who's in control. And it's very obvious to the believer what is behind that. And so there is much power that he has got, but what kind of power is it? That's what I want to talk about this morning without uh, giving any uh, overdue credence to the evil one. But we must recognize there is such a one, and that he does have power. But thank God that we have power over his power as we'll see as we go through this. So first of all, what kind of power has Satan got? Well, first of all, it is a permitted power. It is a permitted power. Now, let me just briefly say this, because we have gone over this on several occasions, but it bears repeating briefly this morning. There are a number of words in the New Testament that describes power. But there are two that, are, uh, that recur again and again. Two most popular words are exousia and dunamis. E-X-O-U-S-I-A and D-U-N-A-M-I-S. Exousia and dunamis. And exousia is delegated power. It is a power that has been given or granted, a power that has been allowed or permitted. And to summarize that, it means it is the right to. In a nutshell, that's what it means, the right to, exousia. The word dunamis also is power, but it's an entirely different word, different meaning. And Dunamis is an inherent power a force, an ability, an enabling, a self-generating perpetual power. It's where we get the word dynamo from and dynamite from. And so both these words are mentioned in the New Testament in relation to the believer in Christ. In John 1 verse 12, But as many as received him... To them give He the power or the right or the exousia to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. So in other words, since you have become a believer in Christ, you have the right to call yourself a child of God. You have the legal right, you have the delegated right to be able to call yourself a child of God. That is exousia, the right to. And in Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said to His disciples, but you shall receive power or dynamis or might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so, as a believer, even as a new believer, even as a believer who's only one second a believer, You have the right to call yourself a believer, but then the Holy Spirit gives us might and gives us power to live as a believer. And so, briefly, that's the summary of those two words. However, both these words, exousia and dunamis, are also mentioned in relation to Satan as well. In Luke chapter 4, in those temptations that Jesus was facing in the wilderness. And remember, in one of the temptations, in verse 5 of Luke 4, "...then the devil, taking him up onto a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I give you and their glory... For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. It's interesting the answer that Jesus gave to that. It's interesting he didn't contradict him. It's interesting he didn't say, no, wait a moment, you don't have that right to do that. You have no authority to even say that. No, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Now, did Satan have that authority? Did he have that power? Did he have that exousia to be able to say that? I remember that in John's Gospel, chapter 12, chapter 14, and chapter 16, three times Jesus called Satan the prince of this world. How many knows a prince has got authority? So he called him the prince of this world. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls him the God of this world. So neither are under any illusion that he does have some authority on this earth. But how did he get that authority? He said, it has been delivered unto me. How did he get that? He got that through the fall. Remember that Adam was God's representative on earth of all mankind. And how Adam, through his sin and disobedience, fell and lost that dominion and that authority and that power he had under God, that exousia. He lost it. Satan gained it. That's why Jesus had to come and take that back off him again. And Jesus came as a man. Do you ever wonder why he was called the Last Adam Hmm? And so there is a certain amount of power, exusia, authority that he has got. And Acts twenty six the Apostle Paul. Giving his testimony again. Telling what happened on the road to Damascus and what Christ said to him. In verse 17 I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And from the power of Satan unto God. And so we must recognize and never deny it, that Satan does have certain power on earth, certain authority that he Received because man fell and, in effect, handed that over, that dominion over to him. Jesus had to come and receive that back from him. And so, this makes this a little bit more clear whenever we read further, of course, uh, in her opening words Behold, I give you, Jesus said, in, in. In John 1, behold, I give you power, or exousia, over all the power, over all the dynamis of the evil one. So, the evil one has some authority, and he has some dynamis. He has some right, and he has some might. But the good news is, he doesn't have it over you as a believer. He's lost his authority over you. Our authority is Christ. We're not under Satan's dominion and authority any longer. We're under Christ's dominion and authority. That's good news, isn't it? And so, the only time, and this is why I said this is a permitted power, the only time he is given any authority or any authority power over us is if and only if God Himself permits it. And it will always be for a season and it will always be for a reason. Now hang in with me because you need to get this. Remember Job and how that it says in Job chapter 1 how that one day The sons of God presented themselves before God, and God looks around and he says to Satan, where have you come from? What have you been up to? I'm paraphrasing. What have you been up to? He says, well, I've been walking about to and fro on the whole earth. New Testament tells us that he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What did God say to him? Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth? A righteous man that eschews evil? Have you considered him? <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek because he had considered him, but he couldn't do anything about him. He had to get permission from God. In fact, God was giving him a little hint. God, in fact, was saying, Come on, ask me. Ask me for permission. Shows you the confidence that God had in Job, actually. He had to get permission before he could do anything with Job. Because Job was a righteous man, he was a godly man. And do you remember Peter in the New Testament? How that Jesus said to Peter, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He had to get permission. To launch an attack against Peter. We'll come back to that a little bit later. And so, there, any power, any authority he does have, it's a permitted one. And the only power and authority that he can have with us is only if God permits it. Otherwise, he doesn't have any. And if he did, he would have shrouded us all long ago because he hates us. With a passion, but he can't do that. And I reiterate if God permits, it will only be for a season and it will only be for a reason. God just doesn't arbitrarily just allow him to do what he wants to do. If he allows him, it's for a season and it is for a reason. Say, so, well, what might the reason be? Fair point. Well, maybe to develop us in faith and in patience. In James chapter 1, verse 2 My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. Hmm. Ever been in a trial? Ever been through a testing? Satan never turned your world upside down? Well, perhaps God permitted that. Of course, sometimes we do foolish things and we make mistakes and sometimes we literally sin and we have mistakes that we got to work through. All of us do that. That's fair. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those times when the enemy of your soul comes against you and hits you hard. James says, knowing that the Testing of your faith produces patience. Allow that patience to have its perfect work in your life. And then, of course, to give us the rewards of overcoming. Verse 12, it says in James 1, Blessed is the man who endures temptation." test and trial. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so the enemy comes and he strikes against us. We hold on to God. We use our faith and we pray and we come through that testing period. And what do we get? We get highly rewarded. Get a crown of life whenever we have been approved and tested and approved. God's kite mark stamped on us. Tested and approved. Fit for use. <laughs> also, to show God's greater power over Satan's power. Phases chapter 1. Paul's great prayer for the and church. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, which is us the fullness of him who fills all in all. So no matter how much power the evil one possesses, it's never ever going to match the power of God. Now there is a belief in this world that there are two equal opposing forces. Some calls it yin-yang some calls it a dual thing. The whole Star Wars movies was based on this belief that there's a power for good and a power for evil, and they are equal in force. And they're always in a battle, and no one ever really wins. That's not true. It's not true. God's power is always and will ever be above and beyond any power the evil one has got. It is true there are two powers and forces in this world who are battling, but they're not even. And as we'll see at the end of the story in a few moments before we finish, we'll find out who's got the most power. Also, another reason is to make sure we keep our feet on the ground. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7. Paul's praying because there is a thorn in the flesh has come against the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Again and again and again. Everywhere he went, somebody rose up in opposition. Alexander has done me, the coppersmith has done me much harm. The Lord reward him according to his works. Everywhere he went. Every time. Every day, there was a messenger of Satan to buffet him, and he prayed three times, Lord, take this from me. The Lord said, no, my grace will be more than enough. It will be sufficient for you, because my strength will be perfected in your weakness. You know, Paul was caught up into the third heaven, and he saw things, he says, that was unlawful for me to tell another human being. Can't do it you imagine after John in the book of Revelation and he writes all that he saw and Paul says, well, I saw some stuff too, but I, I can't write it. I can't tell it. God won't even permit me to say what it is. Now, there are very few Pauls about these days and I'm not suggesting for a moment that you or I are one of them. But everything's Relative. And oftentimes, the further and the higher we go in the spiritual kingdom of God, the enemy of our souls will try to circumvent us and try to destroy us. And sometimes, if God grants more and more power, He has to keep our feet on the ground, lest we become puffed up with pride. How many of you know that there's many a great servant of God has been puffed up with pride Fell because of it. God was making sure Paul wouldn't fall. <laughs> and so it's a permitted power, but it's also a limited power. It's also a limited power. Remember, we talked about Job a moment ago. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. And Satan said, "Yeah, but you you put a big hedge of protection around him. I, I I can't get at him." <laughs> That's what he said. You've, you've, you've guarded around it. I can't do anything with him. He had to get permission. And God says, okay. Now, listen to what God said. The Lord said to Satan, Job one twelve, Behold, all that he has is in your power or your hand. The Hebrew word means hand. It's in your hand there. Only do not lay a hand upon his person. And so he had to get permission, but even that was limited to what he could do. And in the first instance, he says, everything that he has, I will put into your hand. Only don't touch his person. And what happened? He lost everything he had. The enemy came against him. He lost everything. Every possession, everything, including his family. Lost everything. But he was still intact. Satan came back the second time. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. I he says, skin for skin. Man will give all that he has to save his own neck. But let me put my forth my hand touch his skin. Let me touch him. And in Job 2.6, the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but... There was the permission, but here's the limitation. But he said, spare his life. You can only go so far. It'll be for a season, it'll be for a reason. But you can only go so far. And we know how he did that, and he came, and how he smoked Job with boils from the head to the feet. And poor Job was sitting out there, out in the side of the road, with broken bits of pottery, scraping himself, trying to get some relief. And then those three friends came. What did they do? They blamed him. You get sin in your life. You're a rascal. We thought you were a godly man, but you're a rascal. This couldn't have happened to you unless you're being punished. I hadn't got a clue what they're talking about, had they? Long story short, God brings him through all of that. It's a wonderful story, Book of Job. God brings him through all of that. He gives him back twice as much as he had before. But do you see the limitation there? You remember how that Jesus said to Peter, Behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, so he needed permission. But, but I have prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. So there's going to be a limitation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But... God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's a limitation to it. This also shall pass. It came to pass. 2 Peter 2 9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Do you believe that? Do you believe that no matter what the enemy brings against you, that there can be a limit to it? If there was no limit to it, it would destroy us. But it's not going to destroy us because it's limited. And God can bring us through all of those tests and trials because there's a limitation to it. That doesn't mean that we sit back and don't resist the evil one. That we become passive. Kay Sarah sera, whatever will be, will be. No, we resist. If we know it's the evil one, we resist him. Luke 22, 31-32. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. There is going to be a resistance He was going to have the Lord praying for him. So as well as permission and a limitation, there was going to be resistance to that particular trial. He would have the Lord on his side praying for him. Do you realize the Lord is on your side praying for you? We talked a few weeks ago about the intercessory ministry of Christ. Our great high priest sits at the right hand of the Father, ever lives to make intercession for us. Resisting. Holy Spirit on earth in us interceding. Then we have the prayers of all of the saints for us. So we're going to make it through, aren't we? We're going to come through whatever test or trial that's come our way. Horrible and dark and awful as it is at the time, but Christ is praying for you. The Holy Spirit in you is interceding for you. The prayers of the saints for you, and there's a limitation to it. There's a resistance against it. James 4, 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But note the order. Submit, therefore, to God first. Got to come to God and submit to Him and submit to His ways. Then we can resist the evil one. 1 Peter 5 and 9. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. (laughs) Glory to God. So he can be overcome. Yes, he is a powerful creature with immense power throughout this world. Even the deceived nations can cause all kinds of havoc and can come against us. But thank God, He can't overcome us because we're overcomers in Christ. We're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave Himself for us. But we've got to get the balance. And so, not only that, but it is a broken power Genesis 3.15, after the fall, God says to the evil one, remember he came in the form of the serpent, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and that's a capital S on that seed, because it's referring to Christ who would come, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. He shall bruise your head. Head speaks of authority. We talk about the head of something. We're talking about the authority, aren't we? He shall break your head, even though you'll bruise his heel. So there's a broken power here. Jesus said in Luke 11, 21 and 22, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. And Jesus is the stronger man. No matter how strong the evil one is, Christ is the stronger man. And he came and he spoiled his goods. Now, Exousia, Dunamis. If Satan's power is broken, why is he still ruling and ruining people's lives today? Question Christ has broken his power. Fact. Did it at Calvary. Fact. <laughs> Triumphed over the evil one and all his little minions. Made a show of them openly, the Bible says. Fact. However, even though that is a fact, why is it that he still is ruling and ruining people's lives today? Simple answer is because most people doesn't know his power is broken. In fact, there's loads of people out there. who doesn't even believe there is such a being as Satan. All oh, the make jokes about the mom with the pointy tail and the pitchfork, the make jokes about that. But they don't understand. Even those who believe there is such a being as Satan, they do not understand that his power is broken. And if they were to surrender their lives to Christ, they would soon find out his power is broken in their lives. Listen, let me go further. There's lots of believers today who doesn't even realize that. Sadly. Sadly. They think that the devil can do whatever he likes with them, and he can't. That's why I'm sharing this today. Because his authority over the believer, unless, only unless, God permits for a season and a reason, it's broken. It's broken. He hasn't got it over us. If he had, you wouldn't be sitting listening to me today. (laughs) He would have destroyed you a long time ago. He'd have broken you a long time ago. He'd have no faith left a long time ago, but he can't do that. 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Destroy means here to dissolve, to undo, to unloose. Not all men want to be free from their sin from their habits, and from their evil ways, and from their wicked actions. Not all men want to be free from that. They're bound, but they don't want to be free from it. There are those who do, and Christ will free them if they come to Him, but not all want that. God wants the whole world to be saved, but not all men will be saved. Not all will want to be saved. And so, Christ has come to destroy, to dissolve, to undo, to unloose the binds, the burdens, and the habits, and the sins, and the attitude, and the immorality, and the lifestyles that man has adapted. He's come to undo all of that, and to loose them from all of that, but not all want that. Some people are just happy in their sin, aren't they? They're happy in their sin. You talk to them, they look at like you as if you had two heads. I'm enjoying this. Go away. Clear off. Mind your own business. Bible (laughs) thumpers. See this is why in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 he's called the God of this world who blinds the minds of those who believe not. He's the God of this world but he's not our God. He's not our God. Sure he's not. He may be the God of this world, but He's not the God of the believer. He's not the God of the believer. And so that power is broken in our lives. And that's why we are not out sinning with impunity today. Because that power has been broken. However we can open ourselves up to sin, we can yield to it, but we don't have to because God has given us a power over it. He's given us a power to live this life as Christ wants us to live it. And then finally, not only is it a permitted power, a limited power, a resistant power, and a broken power, but it is a doomed power. It's doomed. Satan's fate is forever eternally sealed there is no recourse for him whatsoever. It must be awful to be Satan today to know that the sentence has been passed and it's only a case of waiting for the execution date and there is no reprieve. He's had his chips. His days are literally numbered. Numbered. And his power will be progressively diminished until there is no power left, no more, forever, eternally. It's doomed. One preacher said one time if the devil wants to remind you of your past, you remind him of his future. (laughs) That's a good way of putting it, isn't it? Because he doesn't have a future. And he knows that. And that's why, as it gets closer and closer to his doom, he will be angrier and angrier. And the Bible clearly teaches that in the book of Revelation. Come down upon the earth with great wrath because he knows his days are coming to an end. Let's close with Revelation chapter 20. Because this is where his doom is written in black and white. Martin Luther one time was having an awful time. Devil was coming against him fiercely. Couldn't sleep at night with all the problems he was having. They get tired of it. So he opened his Bible, and I'm not sure whether it was this scripture or one other scripture. He opened his Bible, he put it on the floor. He says, here devil, you read that, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good one for him to read, isn't it? Instead of you having a sleepless night, let him have a sleepless night. it talks about him being bound and cast into a bottomless pit for 1,000 years and then Christ reigning and ruling during that 1,000 years on earth. let well, lets let you know I believe in the millennium. You may not, but I do. And then in verse 7 it says, Now when the 1,000 years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. That's talking about Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Somebody said, Amen. That's His doom written there on black and white. Cannot be raised, cannot be changed, will not be pardoned, there'll be no last-minute reprieve. It is fixed eternally. And there'll come a day when His influence and His power and any authority he has on this earth will be forever finished. Glory to God. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth without Him. No wonder it will be paradise. And so, His fate is sealed. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise His heel. And Jesus fulfilled that admirably in His life, everywhere He went. He was bruising the head of the army, wasn't he? Breaking his authority over people's lives. In his death, no man can take my life. I lay my life down. Yes, cruel hands inspired and influenced by Satan himself took up the nails and the hammer, but God permitted it for our salvation. Showed it in his resurrection, didn't he? No power could hold him. Satan couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. The stone couldn't hold him. He was rolled away by the angel. And he rose victorious. Up from the grave he rose. we sing at Easter, with a mighty triumph over his foes. He rose a victor from the dark domain and lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he rose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. At the end of the book, He shows who has got all power and all authority over all the power of the enemy. And by the way, he says, I give that to you. I give that to you. So let's realize what God has given to us over what the enemy has got. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we do not take these things lightly. Because even the archangel Michael said to the evil one, the Lord rebuke you. And he didn't bring a railing accusation. But Lord, we thank you that you have got more power. And we bless you that you have given that unto us as your children. You have delegated that exousia. And you have given us the dynamis, the might of the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you, Lord, that nothing shall by any means ultimately hurt us. Because we win. And Lord, today we have looked at the end of the book, and we most certainly win. Because Christ, our Savior, is the victor. And so we thank you for this. And we honor you and we give you glory. In Christ's name. Amen.